Hey, it's going to be a great podcast today. You don't want to miss it. We have an announcement on um, end of the story that goes behind what happened in Afghanistan this weekend. There's some uh, really great things that happened because of the Nazarene Fund, and it is just the beginning, uh, hopefully, as we just don't know, minute to minute. Uh, also, we talk a little bit about the economy. We talk to you about uh, tomorrow's episode, which has Donald Trump first time ever on my program. Uh, ever and I've known him since the mid 2000s um, and we were going back and we're like no he's never been on that happens on tomorrow's podcast but a lot here including look at the economy all on today's podcast you're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program never thought I would be um, a guy that would be negotiating with prime ministers and talking to uh, people about what is the cost of human life. I mean, literally, what is the cost of this human life? Um, you wouldn't have foreseen that when we were playing Britney Spears records. No, I didn't really? see it. Huh. I didn't see it. That's I, weird because I thought this was inevitable. Yeah, did you? Back then. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people yeah. saw this one coming. <laughs> um, and it has been. Um, I talked to somebody else who is involved in this. Um, you know, in her own way, um, Emily Miller. Uh, I talked to her this weekend, and and she's having a difficult time because she's seeing all of the. She gets all of these, you know, emails and passports and everything. Can you help get me out? And uh, and she we had a long conversation about how people like us are not equipped to to see the names and the stories of thousands of people mm-hmm. and know they may not get out. And, and we're like, no, just get them out. How do we get them out? And once you get into it. It's extraordinarily difficult, especially when the most powerful nation on earth is blocking you every step of the way. And this this State Department has blocked us. Now, it's my understanding that uh, the State Department helped at the last minute on uh, one of these planes. I got to be really careful. Um, But. I'm talking historically, they have blocked us every single step of the way. Uzbekistan, as I just told you a minute ago, we had that ready to go. And we had, I believe it would have been clearly, you know what we had planned. I think that would be clearly by far the largest private airlift in human history. Um, It was astounding. And it was ready. It was literally within three hours to go. And the ambassador from um, the United States to uh, Uzbekistan said, you can't let that happen. You can't let these planes land. And so they called it off. Giving no reason for that? Nope. 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 Uh, No reason. Uh, Hmm. And it's really difficult to find countries to even let a plane land if you don't have the State Department's approval. Because the State Department has to say, in so many words, but this happens all the time. This is a regular thing that happens. Um, every military plane, everything needs this kind of permission. 
And uh, it just basically says we vouch for the people running this plane and that it's not human trafficking and it's it's good. Well, they wouldn't give us any of those clearances. And when they would give us clearances, we would get them and they'd be expired. So your plane can take off at eight o'clock. We would get it at nine p.m. And we'd be well, what do you Mm. it's expired? Oh, crap. Did we get that too late? Oh, shoot. That's the that's the that's the good, happy parts of working with the State Department. The others are just clear blocks. So we had this all planned and then they blocked us. And now how do we get them out? So we had another plan um, and we were blocked on that. So we wrote to the ambassador of Pakistan. I never expected to get a letter back from, I mean, when I was told, Glenn, um, you, you really, you're the guy who should write this. I'm like, okay, I don't know really much about Pakistan. I don't know <laughs> anything. I'm probably not the guy to be doing this. Uh, yeah, no, he'll take a letter from you. Mm. Does he know I'm kind of a clown and really don't <laughs> have, he'll take it from you. So I wrote the letter that I just posted a few minutes ago. And in a few minutes, I will post the letter uh, I got back. And uh, he pledged his support. And everybody was celebrating. I was like, well, okay. I mean, right? Everything's good, right? Right? I'm, I'm just, I'm, I don't fit in the room, honestly, with all these people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and uh, they said, well, let's see what he can do. So the last two weeks... He has been moving mountains and I think to personal risk to himself. And I've done some homework on this guy. He is the number two cricket player in the world. He was educated Hmm. in Cambridge um, and saw what his country was doing and saw that his country was a military run country and said it really shouldn't be run by the military. And he's trying to balance things out and trying to change uh pakistan at least that's my understanding and if you have a different understanding don't tell me okay uh anyway so that is uh, that's my understanding of of who he is and but he has to balance because some of the people are deeply in bed not just with the old taliban the new taliban and the new Taliban is with ISIS and bad. And, and so there's all kinds of influences. And, you know, that country is really important that it doesn't fall into the wrong hands because they have nukes. And I do believe that he understands that. And I do believe that he's trying. Um, we're not going to agree on everything um, by any stretch. But all I want to say about him is thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done. If it wasn't for the Pakistani prime minister, none of these planes would be taking off today. None of them. Uh, They're even letting us use their airspace. Um, We were kind of going to cut some corners. And then the State Department uh, strangely told Iran about it. Uh, And so Hmm. we couldn't do we couldn't cut any corners or do anything. Uh, and we actually had to then figure out once he got permission, we had to figure out where can we land this plane. So we reached out to our friends in Georgia 
And Georgia is a great country that they get the whole communism and everything else. And they said, we'll take the planes. So we had to fly him to uh, Georgia and you can't fly. Cam Air is the official airline from Afghanistan. It can't land in Western countries. Um, And so you can't get permission to land that plane in Western countries. So we had to go someplace. So we had to get them on the ground in the middle of the night in Georgia. Then we asked the government of of um, Ukraine. Can you help us get Ukrainian airlines to to loan us a plane and pick these guys up? So the Ukrainians were involved getting a second plane which then took this one group to Portugal, where Portugal had been prepared by the FIFA people, the soccer people, because the girls we don't have. It's I, I, it's sketchy right now. I am not sure exactly how many girls. Uh, I mean, I have the name. I have the the uh, manifest, but it's 32 of the uh, FIFA female athletes and their families uh, and we're not sure if everyone got out at this point. Uh, I was told they did, but then I was told this morning, maybe not. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but that's how we got them. That's how we got them out. And I want you to read my letter. I just posted it on Instagram and Twitter. I want you to read that because you'll understand there's much, much, much more to this story. This is one plane that we are talking about that got out this weekend. What if you told the state department, you're only evacuating Guatemalans <laughs> from Afghanistan. They would let us fly them right directly into the United States. Right here. Right straight here. here. Yeah. If I had Haitians, yes. I could fly them into <laughs> Oklahoma. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. I mean, I found it so ironic that the state department and the United States government and this white house have mm. blocked us for weeks to get not only these girls out, but also Americans. And there's some news coming on Americans. Um, but uh, they've blocked us over and over again. And then while I'm on the phone with this, I look up at the TV and I see these giant gray tails picking up people on our border. What? And they're flying yeah. them where? What? I and mean, I can't believe it. They're, I, they're taking off every 30 minutes. Mm. For the next seventy-two hours. Wow, that's is my wow. That sounds like a yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, is it really yeah. every thirty minutes? Yes, Th- there's some for seventy-two hours. Yes. Wow, I wonder where they got that plan. Yeah, I would. I'd oh like to know as well. Oh my gosh, there's some question as to <sighs> Haiti trying to block <sighs> some of the flights, which is really yeah. Incredible. Well, we don't want them back. <laughs> like yeah, uh, okay. We're kind of. I don't know if anyone's been following the news. We've had some of our issues of our own recently and don't necessarily uh, need an additional uh, 15,000 15, people. Right who have not been moment. checked or we don't know the health status or yeah. whatever else is going on. We the, know we're currently blocking our prime minister from leaving the country because we think he might have killed the last one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so but that's not right a problem, is now, it? No, maybe not no, our no, no. best time for new visitors, you know. <laughs> I don't think these people are. Do you, do you uh, think that they fly to Mexico, or are these people that have already fled their country and were living? Yeah, they believe it's a mix. They, they believe, you know, they're like, oh, well, many of them may be Haitians uh, that had previously settled in Venezuela. I'm like, oh, great. Well, that makes it way better. Much <laughs> better. Yeah. 
They got a little Venezuelan okay. influence before heading <laughs> to our border. And now they're living under a bridge in uh, Texas. A beautiful so bridge. A beautiful a bridge. bridge. Oh, you bridge. don't know. It's Property at that underneath that bridge? Oh. It's worth goes, dollars. Oh, my God. Almost. It's, it's really, almost worth dollars. It's hard to get. It's hard to get property there, especially <laughs> especially this time of year. Yeah, very no, hard to very get property hard. there. And they said they did say that many of them were leaving and crossing the Rio Grande back into Mexico oh, to get sure, food. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, yeah, and going back would, and forth. And then they would just come back across. And it's like, yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe if they leave, we don't let them cross again. Yeah, I mean, we know where they are. Well, I've seen maybe him. just an idea. Maybe when they leave, it's like a concert. No re-entry. You got to have a stamp to get back in on your hand. <laughs> Did you see the video uh, with the Haitians on, running before, up the... Wait, wait. Before we get to that, may I just ask, do you think that there were any Haitians that may have been living in like Panama that once they said they were going back to Haiti, everybody on the plane, they were like, no, 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 no. Yes, we're going back to Panama. <laughs> Go, Go back, back to Panama. Panama. <laughs> I mean, there had to be a lot that were like, I don't want to go to Haiti. No, 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 no. You don't know what Haiti's like. <laughs> I lived there for a while. We, we don't want to mm. go back. No. Uh, there's so many of them. Running up, there's there's a video of, of a bunch of Haitians crossing the Rio Grande and Border Patrol agents on horseback trying to stop them. And there's just so many of them that compared to the border agents that there's they just overwhelm the system and there's no way you can stop. Wow. Overwhelm the system. That's the other plan that Mm -hmm. I've heard before. Where Mm -hmm. did I hear Mm -hmm. overwhelm the system? Doesn't sound Uh, familiar. That's weird. And Mm -hmm. I have to I have to thank uh, the great governor of our state for putting every state. I I was driving just to the grocery store at 170 miles an hour because there ain't a cop anywhere to be found (laughs) on the highways of Texas because they're all down on the border. I don't know if you saw those those pictures lined, but they it was the state that protected our nation, not the U.S. government because they won't do it. They won't do it. And so it was the state. Yes, you're welcome, America. Our tax dollars went to protect all of America, not just our state. It's insane what's going on. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Real quick thing, I want to talk to you a little bit about what we announced um, through the Nazarene Fund. And Mercury One, we are thrilled to say that uh, the the FIFA athletes that um, have been talked about in the news, uh, and these are these are some of them young uh, girls, real young teenage girls. Uh, they have been marked for um, brides, and we have been worried about them for a very very long time. Uh, we had them in safe houses for the last, I think, two or three weeks and um, getting all of them to move and their families to move at once and not be a crowd. We can no longer move buses to the airport. We can't do certain things now um, that alert people. So we had to get them, you know, from their safe house, moving them at the right time, getting past the Taliban checkpoints, enabling them to get onto the flights and out of the country. We want to thank uh, Delivery Fund, which is responsible for communicating with the girls and finalizing all their paperwork because they eventually ended up in Portugal. Um, I think 
either last night or early this morning. Um, but because of you, because of you, uh, we were able to have the on the ground force through the Nazarene fund to ensure all of the pieces were in place and made it happen. The two people that were critical in this were you and believe it or not, the prime minister of uh, Pakistan. I, I wrote him a letter not expecting to get uh, any kind of <laughs> really any kind of response. I mean, who's going to respond to to my letter? Um, but uh, they did. And I was truly um, humbled by his response. I want to give you his response here in, in just a second. And, and more than his response, what he did um, to make that something that is m- much more, much, much more than, uh, than words. Uh, he was truly... Truly a remarkable uh, partner on this who had the humanitarian side um, the whole time. Let me let me read his response to my letter. I'm going to post it here in just a second. Um, But I got back. This is on September 9th. We were pretty desperate and no one would help us. No one would help us. Uzbekistan, they tried to help us. And then the Washington ambassador, the U.S. ambassador from Washington to Uzbekistan blocked all of our flights. They were absolutely incredible up until the U.S. ambassador got involved. And we had to get Georgia involved. We had to get uh, the Ukrainians, which I'm very popular, I hear, in Ukraine, get the Ukrainians uh, involved. And then Portugal. But it was the prime minister of Pakistan. And I just want to read to you what part of what he wrote to me. He said, Glenn, I'm writing uh, to thank you for your extremely moving letter dated 6 September 2021. Your views represent the best of our faiths, both in terms of highlighting the humanity and compassion represented by them. As you are aware, the Holy Quran specifically references if anyone saved a life, it would be as if he saved the whole of a, uh, the whole of humanity. Pakistan wishes the world to see the compassion of the Muslims and non-Muslims that constitute the fabric of our beloved nation. Irrespective of philosophical or political divisions, our roles as leaders should always be to ensure that our actions benefit all people that rely on them, uh, on us to keep them safe. I will confirm that my government will make every effort possible to help you in this humanitarian mission. Uh, I hope that your initiative will show the world how we can bridge religious and cultural divides in order to work in making world a safer place. So he was, you know, as they said about Ebenezer Scrooge, he was better than his word. Um, He worked tirelessly. And I mean, he got so sick of hearing from us. His office was like, "Okay, stop calling. Okay, stop calling. We're like, yeah, I know, but we really needed to stop calling. I think he regretted doing business with with Glenn Beck um, because we were we were come on guys we got to get him on the phone is he doing and yes he was doing a lot a lot um, he is responsible for moving those people um, to safety and there are more than what we're talking about and operations are still going on but 
he is getting um, heat internally, I believe. And he, this is all me just speculating. And I saw it was really weird because um, when we finally let the United States government know uh, that this was happening, um, um, others had reached out uh, to other people and they could never get anything to happen. Um, and uh, I think they I think they. I, I just thought I found the timing of the attack on Pakistan and its prime minister from CNN last week. Interesting. I just found the timing interesting, especially if you knew what was happening behind the scenes. But that's just me. I wanted to make sure that everyone knew that um, the humanitarian effort that the prime minister of Pakistan uh, has done will save men, women, and children, the innocent victims that are suffering, um, all of the people uh, that are getting out uh, with the Nazarene Fund on this particular operation couldn't have been done. We reached out to almost every political leader, and very few have answered the call. Very few. Uh, Most countries have answered the call, and then when the United States said, don't work with them, they have said we can't we can't work with you we don't want to but uh prime minister um imran khan uh did it without hesitation and we are really really grateful especially since we don't have the same religion we don't agree on different things he just did what was right and wanted people to know that um I wanted to know, I want you to know who he is. I can't vouch for anything other than this. He has been exceptional at not saying, oh, we can't rescue this person. We can't rescue that person. He just like, who's there? Let's get him on a plane. Let's get him out of there. That's great. And it's something that I think we would expect from, we're supposed to expect from uh, everybody. Right. Like whether you agree or not, you're supposed to we're all supposed to respect human life. And and we're seeing how many people out there do not hit that basic requirement. And it's really good to see that there are some people who do care because it doesn't seem I feel it can definitely get to that point where it feels like nobody does. And it's it's nice to see that that there are those people out there. Well, I will tell you this. I'll work with anybody that wants to save lives. Yeah. Uh, I'll work with anyone we've worked with. We've worked with um, we've worked with people that would never, ever want my uh, their name said by me in a positive way on this show. And without hesitation, we work because every life is valuable. This is the way he worked. Um, and um, he has gotten the he has gotten the people in Afghanistan that have the power to allow us to do these first two flights um, and more hopefully coming. I'm looking forward to his continued cooperation to make sure that we continue our common goal. Um, but uh, thank you. Thank you th- very much sincerely to Prime Minister Khan uh, and the people of Pakistan for making this happen. It's such an interesting thing. I mean, I, I don't know if people can hear it in your voice but it's it's so hard because there's so many things that you're not you know able to speak about uh, in real time 
um, that, you know. You know who I thought of this weekend? When I went to the White House and I said, Mr. President. Oh, George George W. Bush, yeah. He was not stuttering. He wasn't confusing words. He wasn't doing anything. (laughs) And I said, where is this guy? No offense, Mr. President, but this is the guy that America needs to hear from. And he got a little testy with me. And he said, uh, you have no idea what it's like to be the president. You can't. I can't. I have a hundred different things I'm processing and a hundred different relationships. And I can't say this and I can't say that. And I realized that job is so difficult if you care to do it right. And you're in the middle of complex negotiations and everything else. You have to be very careful with your words. And uh, yesterday, my gosh, just to tweet something was literally like an hour and a half of just everybody freaking out and screaming. And it's like, you can't say that. I'm like, okay, all right, stop, stop, stop. Oh, it must be impossible. It's impossible. I was reading in that Josh Rogan book, uh, Chaos Under Heaven, and they have the story of President Trump comes into office. You know, people are calling him. Congratulations. You won the presidency. Another call comes in, picks it up. Hey, thanks. uh, Thanks so much. Uh, It was the head of Taiwan. Now, apparently that's, you know, I mean, we know the relationship between China and Taiwan, but specifically a president taking a call from the Taiwanese leadership is such a big deal to China. Now, I don't know, like you're new in the office, someone calls a world leader, like, you know, an average person is just going to take that call. Now, this is something obviously some of his aides should have got before it actually happened. But the point is, though, that's just a basic one. Right. Like think of how many like when you're in the middle of a negotiation, when you're in the middle of, of, of all these internal discussions that people aren't privy to, especially if the State Department isn't with the president. See, that's the problem. Yeah. The, the problem is the State Department is just doing their own thing. I have a sh- story about the State Department that I'll be sharing soon. Mm. Um, you have a lot of those that shows that <laughs> they are their own entity. They don't care. They do not care what anyone says. They will do what they want to do. And it's completely out of control, completely out of control. And uh, when you imagine being the president of the United States and having a general that, uh, yeah, I got a friend and I just called him. Don't worry. We got, we got this. We'll we warn you this. if we attack. We'll, Don't we'll worry. Let you know. Okay. So you have a general sabotaging the president there. So now the Chinese don't know. Do I listen to this guy? Do I not listen to this guy? Does this have power? Does he not have power? And I just went through that in a very, very, very small way. What, who is, who's really running the show? What's really happening? Yada, yada, yada. Um, I'm, I'm not the president. And uh, so really it doesn't, doesn't matter what this clown says. Um, but what's really incredible to me is that if you have the, if you have the military that is having side conversations and the the State Department also having side uh, conversations and they disagree with the president. How does the president do anything? I mean, it's it's such a clash. And both of those guys can destroy the president, as we have seen. It's it. It's not what America. This is not the system that we think it is this is this is a very different system because we have allowed these agencies to grow out of control i mean i would like to say the house and the senate 
you know, are a shadow of themselves. But that is an insult to all shadows. Uh, Sorry, I apologize to all shadows for saying that because the shadows are like, like, come on, man, we're not that worthless. They are. These guys are that worthless. It's a rubber stamp. And uh, and it's got to change. It's got to change. But I just want to say one thing on this. Everyone said that you couldn't do it. Everyone for the last three weeks have been saying, we can't help. We can't get them out. We can't get Americans out. As you will see in the coming days, all of that is a lie. And if we would have believed them, these people, and in particular today, uh, these uh, 30, is it 32 female athletes, they'd be probably being raped if they lost their hiding place. If it wasn't for you, they wouldn't have had a hiding place. Um, they'd be raped over and over and over again several times a day. It is truly because of you, because you didn't listen to a government saying, no, you can't. And it brings me great joy to say that that is a lie, because the truth is, yes, we can. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. So, Stu, um, may I just suggest that, uh, and I, I just think this is kind of important, uh, to wrap your head uh, clearly in, in duct tape. And, uh, oh, yeah, see, the air sirens have gone on. Yeah, the locals have heard that we are going to talk about Nancy Pelosi and actually play some audio. Um, and your head just might explode. So you were warned in advance. Here is Nancy Pelosi uh, on uh, our economy. In America, uh, capitalism uh, is our system. It Mm -hmm. is our economic system. It is. But it has not served our economy as well as it should. Stop just for a second. Stu, that seems like a crazy blanket statement to me. (laughs) I'd like to believe it was true. I'd like it to be true. Yeah, I'd like it to be true. It hasn't served uh, our country well and served all of our purposes up. You know, you're right on that. It hasn't done everything, but it has created some pretty sweet spots all around the world, not just in America. Uh, It's been responsible for the greatest human achievement uh, Mm. in our in our in our species history. That's something it's done over the past, let's say, 20 years. Yeah, that's crazy. Ripped billions of people out of poverty Mm -hmm. around the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it is basically Mm -hmm. changed what we used to have into modern civilization. Yeah. So other than that, other than that, other than other than cooking with fire and reading, if you could afford a book by candlelight, America kind of changed the world. You know, we did a few little things here and there. And now we don't have to cook our food over a fire unless unless you're part of the new immigration program from the Biden administration. You can cook anything under that bridge. Now, um, so she goes on here. Here she is on uh, the capitalist system. We want to do is not depart from that, Uh but to improve it and to make sure that it serves up. 
Oh, okay. Adam Smith wrote two books. He okay, wrote stop, Wealth stop, of stop, 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 stop. Can you go back just a little bit? Because I, I don't want you to miss this part. Uh, she said, we don't want to uh, change capital, or we don't want to destroy capitalism. We just want to change it for the better. Have you heard any of the, uh, ser- I mean, as a people, have we had that serious discussion? Have we? I mean, I've heard a lot of, you know, slogans, you know, hey, tax the rich, blah, blah, blah. But have we had the slogan of, hey, we're going to lift the engine up on this economic, uh, lift the hood up on this economic engine, and we're just going to change some things? You know, tune it, okay, but we're going to change some things. I don't know. If it was my car, I'd say, wait, wait, hang on just a second. What, what, what exactly are you going to change? We're taking out these crazy spark plugs. We don't even know what they do. You know, sticking up there and having to change them and stuff. We got to get rid of them. Okay, do you have another replacement for them? Because if you do, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. But I'd like to see what you want to change. We're going to get rid of this uh, gasoline in this engine. Okay, what are you going to replace it with? Well, batteries are dirty too now, you know. Everybody was touting that battery. But you know how much? You know how much it takes to make a battery? So we're not using batteries either. What are you going to use? Stuff. That's the way they talk to us. Stuff. We're just going to get rid of all the police and replace it with something else. What more do you want? I don't know. Maybe actual facts. But getting actual facts from them, um, it's never quite clear because they're morons. When it comes to the economy, you can say safely, and I'm going to give you the evidence, Nancy Pelosi is a complete and utter moron. Here's why. Listen. Uh, uh, Adam Smith wrote two books. He wrote Wealth of Nations, and then he wrote another book about principles and the rest, about how... (laughs) Stop, 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 Mm -hmm. stop for a second. He wrote Wealth of Nations, and then he wrote a book about principles and all that i i mean don't get me wrong i think that was an eloquent way of of describing what he did um yeah i should point out that actually he wrote that principles and stuff book before wealth of nations but only 17 years before glenn yeah Mm -hmm. um but it was just the foundation of wealth of nations so it probably shouldn't be dismissed as you know on principles and stuff because it's those principles and stuff that uh, make the wealth of nations. But she already knows that. And we, we mm-hmm. point out that the reason why she frames it that way, at least in my view, would be that she's trying to act as if he corrected himself. H- you know, he gave you this vision for capitalism. Oh, and then he you said, you know is- what? By the way, though, don't just do this. You have to have principles, too. That, that may now, have been the way she was told uh, by others. Right, probably, I don't think she has a clue on who Adam Smith really was. I'm giving her too much uh, You're giving credit. You're way too much but credit. But that's why the story works for her, right? If there was a guy who wrote a book about capitalism that we all praised and then later on said, by the way, I was mistaken. I didn't point out that you're supposed to be nice to each other and give away and have the government take all your money. Right. Or whatever she believes is in the second book there. Right. <laughs> um, you know, then you'd understand, right? Right, sure. That perhaps uh, that makes sense. This is he set up. Hey, you have to be the theory moral. of moral sentiments. Yeah, happens long before he sets that that framework for what later becomes 
what he we says, understand as capitalism. You, he says, you cannot be an amoral people because the invisible market of the hand, which he describes later in Wealth of Nations, that invisible hand will reach up and choke you to death if that's what the market is asking for. If it's asking for bad things, it will produce bad things. But it's not the invisible hand jamming those things down your throat. It's you asking for them because you are the market. So if you are moral, it will ask it will it will demand moral things to be produced. But if you don't have a society that has moral sentiments, it's going to be a really bad ride because it will be used against you and it will come and choke you to death. We've been saying that for a long time. We all know that it takes a moral people to have this much freedom. They've been saying, get out of here with all your morality. You don't know what you're saying. Really? So let's listen to the expert Nancy Pelosi on that uh, principles and stuff. In an economy and a society, you had to meet the needs of people. Now, he wasn't doing it really from compassion, but from practicality. Stop. Mm. That is absolutely not true. Not true. If you know anything about moral sentiments and the wealth of nations, it is the greatest charitable arm ever. Because if it is done with moral sentiments, people are thinking, how can I improve the life of others? How can I make their life better? It's only when you have an amoral or immoral society that they think, how can I make this iPhone addict children to it? That's not a moral idea. But a moral society would say, how can we use this to help free people help them not to be enslaved especially to a giant corporation who is through their algorithms shaping changing and enslaving based on what we want because we want to sell you more stuff it's not he never wrote about this is you know what this is just make money that's not adam smith that's not Adam Smith. That might be Nancy Pelosi. It might be the people in, in Silicon Valley. It might be the people today at Coca-Cola, but it's not Adam Smith. Got to afford that Jenny's ice cream somehow. I know. There's so much of it to be had in her freezer. Listen more. Uh, so you cannot have a system where we, the, the success of some is springs from the exploitation of the workers that's and tough and that's Karl Marx that's Karl Marx that's not Adam Smith moral sentiments is not about some uh, uh, some uh, you know buddy at the top exploiting their workers uh, what was the words that she was just using it comes right from Adam uh, comes right from Karl Marx that's mm. not what this is about this is about can companies, can people, can the market, can inventors, can business people have the moral sentiments to be able to help people and not make it just about money? She's now turning this into, see, these giant corporations are just exploiting the people at the bottom. So we have to take money from them. That's where she's going. 
So we have to take money from them to make it better. That just makes you part of the system that is completely corrupt. All you're then going to do is take bribes from people to say, oh, we're going to leave that company alone. But this company, get them. You're just getting money. That's all that is. You're just getting money. You're not giving it to the people. You're giving 40 cents on every dollar back to the people. Please. And her criticism of this system is so terrible. It's just awful. When, when you think about what has really occurred in the world, when Nancy Pelosi turned 90, and that was, uh, I think, in 1970. Uh, 56. 56. Okay, so, I so have when, it here. 56. So she turned 104 years old in 1970. Yes. About 27% of the world lived in extreme poverty. 27. 27%. Write this down. I'm, remember, I use Common Core. Mm-hmm. I have 27 units of something. Yes. That dropped uh, into by 2006. It had fallen by 80%. So we're down fallen. to about 5%. We're now below that, by the way. The biggest drop, if you want to look at an era, by the way, would be the Reagan era. But I mean, like, what's, let's not even point that out at all. An 80% decline in the world's worst poverty since you know many in this audience were children, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's in our lifetimes. Since 1990, since 1990, we have removed 17,258 child deaths per day out of the world. Just since 1990, remember this is That's Bill right. Clinton Parent- is president. Planned Parenthood's no, working. No, I'm no, not we're talking killing about them before that. they can live and starve to I'm death. I'm talking about just making it to five years old, right? Born and your lifespan less than five years old. We're eliminating thousands of deaths every day around the world because of pre- preventing disease, because of um, uh, starvation, because of all these things. Exploitation. No. Um, and... We've now removed poverty out of by, you know, 80% in, in uh, that rough time frame that we're talking mm-hmm. about. And when you ask people in the United States what has happened in their lifetime with poverty, 70% of them say it's gotten worse. We have eliminated over 80% of extreme poverty in our lifetimes. And 70% of the American people think it's gotten worse. That is because of people oh. like Nancy Pelosi. What? Yes. That is who tell you all the time that things are getting worse. That is people like George Washington, (laughs) Abraham Lincoln. uh, I might as well throw in ISIS. uh, All of those bad people trying to do an insurrection just this last Saturday. Were you blind, man? Yeah, no, I I saw the four people standing out there on on the hill with the 812 reporters surrounding them. This whole thing needs to be changed, but not changed because we love it. We love it. That's who we are. We're just going to change it. You just have to remember that book that Adam Smith wrote after he wrote The Wealth of Nations. Right. Once you get that. This doesn't really work at all um, unless you could get a big government to control everything and take money you know, through extortion or through taxes, which might be the same thing. That book that he wrote, that was a couple of years after right. the principal book. Yeah, that, he that wrote. principal book. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. More in just a second. Na, 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 na. 